Happy Easter Sunday, everybody. Can you guys believe that we're actually doing Sunday service on Easter? It is crazy. We did spend a good amount of time with our family this morning, um, so we got that taken care of. Happy to see everybody today. Um, I know that we'll probably have a low viewership. Usually we get between four and 500 live viewers today. I don't imagine we'll get half of that, which is perfectly fine. Um, but I'm here to make sure that you guys get major value. And I want to make sure that you guys understand a couple of things um, today specifically. And something that we've been trying to do on Sunday service for the last couple of months is instead of us ju just doing Q&A, which is what we did for about a year, is we've been going live talking about specific topics, okay? And tonight we're going to be talking about wholesaling a subject to. So many people do not understand that you can wholesale a subject to and um, they're missing out. They're missing out. They're, number one, they're missing out if they're a wholesaler. Probably half of their leads are just going down the, the drain. And the other part that they're missing out on is the fact that we are buying properties all over the country from other people assigning those subject to, to uh, deals to us. Um, last week, we bought a mobile home park in Indiana. We are buying a condo in West Palm Beach. All of this is without any credit, without any sort of financing credentials whatsoever. It is bonkers. It is crazy. So Liz says it's her birthday. So good to see you, Liz. Happy birthday. Everybody say happy birthday to Liz. She's awesome. She's been such an amazing support to this show and everything that we've been doing. So thank you so much, Liz. Happy birthday. Cody will be in here tonight. We are going to talk about a couple of deals that him and I are working on, and then we're going to get into how to assign or how to wholesale a subject to deal. We're going to go through the ins and outs. Um, I wish we could do it uh, more in depth. I know a lot of my students get um, case studies and paperwork and all sorts of cool things. We bring in attorneys, we bring in our transaction coordinators, we bring in our escrow officers from our title company. And we get probably three or four times deeper on these types of topics. But this is for anybody that just wants to learn. But before we get started, I want to point out a couple of things. Um, number one, please, if you guys are um, if you guys are not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that for us. Um, both Cody and my YouTube channel, it would mean a lot. That's number one. Number two, don't forget to link in with somebody in the comments today. Make sure that you guys are squatting up, you guys are getting to know each other, and you're helping each other out because what we're trying to build here is a community. The main reason we go live, live is actually a little bit more stressful than to just record a podcast, okay? There's a lot of work that goes into doing live. You've got to keep everybody entertained. You've got to keep this show flowing. Whereas with a recorded podcast, you can stop, you can take a break, you can cut something out. And so we are not doing that. We're going live. And the main reason we go live is so that you guys can squad up with each other, okay? Everybody can squad up with each other, do deals with each other, get to know each other, et cetera, okay? So wherever you are in any part of the country, please tell people your real name because you get a lot of people that are like Royal Estate Investors LLC, as you can see on the screen. I don't know what your name is. So please, everybody, introduce yourself. Tell everybody where you're at. Um, not only where do you live, but also where are you at in your business? Have you done a deal? Um, have you done 100 deals? And what kind of value can you bring to somebody else? One thing um, Facebook user says, I don't mingle enough. That is 100%. 
even me, I don't mingle as much as I should. Noah Hoffman in the house. Noah Hoffman is my um, Airbnb manager. He's amazing. Noah Hoffman, I just bought a house and I will be moving out of this house very soon. And we're going to be turning this house into an Airbnb. So I'll have you come out to Arizona, hang out with us and get this house set up as well. Probably around the same time as you come out and set up the Sonnet property. And then you and I are probably going to see each other at least once this month, I would imagine, maybe out in Atlanta. I'm going to be out in Atlanta. The tenants for the big property that we bought in December, that $1.3 million property, they're moving out. And then we've got another property we're closing on. So you'll have your hands full this, this month, man. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for everything you do. So um, yeah, check it out. Alan Johnson, what's not entertaining about learning how to become financially free with little to zero dollars out of your pocket? It's crazy. So I'm in Tampa. By the way, Tampa is amazing, except for one thing. Tampa sucks because you cannot get a freaking Uber to save your life. It is crazy. I don't know what it is, but your average wait time to get an Uber in Tampa is like 20, 25 minutes. So you've really got to plan your, you know, around your Uber drive, uh, your Uber rides, which is cool. Whatever. We got around. It was fine. But Tampa's, Tampa was amazing. My Uber driver, the last Uber driver that I had, um, was a gentleman that he, you know, he picks me up in this little city called Hyde Park, right inside of Tampa. And he goes, man, this is where like all the wealthy people live. And I'm like, yeah, man, see, you know, it's a really nice area. You know, I, I was, I had to get some, some stuff. I had to run an errand um, in Hyde Park on Saturday before we had a meetup there in Tampa. So I get out, I order the Uber, I get in there. He's like, man, Hyde Park is amazing. It's amazing. These people are so wealthy that live here. And I'm thinking he's going to say like, yeah, these people are making half a million to a million dollars a year. He says, yeah, man, you got to make at least like, you know, dollars $75,000, $75,000 a year to live here. And I was, I was in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, this guy, like your, your um, experience level with money is um, keeping your mindset, like your mindset and the people you've been around, the environment you've grown up, grown up in, your family, your friends, and all that kind of stuff where you think $65,000 a year is a lot of money. Now, I'm not knocking the guy. I'm just trying to highlight, you know, we get into a conversation. I tell him about wholesaling real estate. I tell him about creative finance. And, you know, it's a 20-minute drive, so I had a good amount of time to talk to him. And he's like, man, why, why isn't anybody else doing this? And I'm like, bro, look up Max Maxwell. Look up, you know, a hundred other wholesalers. There's a lot of people doing this. This is truly the most amazing business of all time. And so this guy has a, a job Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday and Sunday, he, he drives Uber because he's trying to, you know, stay ahead of the bills, Right minimum wage doesn't go up and salaries are not going up as it, it compares to inflation and inflation's just going crazy, but people aren't getting paid more money. So everybody's working second jobs. Some people are working three jobs, et cetera. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, I don't think many people really understand how lucky we all are to understand this business. The fact that um, just in the last month, my partner and myself bought $2 million in real estate. The month before that, we bought $2 million in real estate, and none of that came out of our pocket. And some of those deals actually didn't even come from my marketing. They, a lot of them have come from my sub two students who are crushing it and sending me deals in areas that I'm buying in. 
And I'm sitting here saying, man, so you're telling me I can go acquire rental properties, cash flowing assets. Somebody can wholesale their subject to or their seller finance deals to me. I didn't have to actually go out and do the marketing. I didn't have to negotiate with the seller if I choose not to do so. And with the sub two students, I don't need to actually be on the phone with the sellers because my students know what to do. But I can do all of that basically in my underwear is accumulate 25 to $30 million in real estate because of what we know here. And so that is the power of Sunday service. And that's why we love doing it. We love coming in here every single week and giving you guys that value. So there's a mindset shift there, right? My Uber driver mindset shift. And so I told him, I said, Hey, you're never going to see me again. Okay. Um, Herman. Oh, Justin. Awesome. Thank you for changing your name. I appreciate that. Um, so let's see. Alan Johnson says, I realize some folks t talk a big one, but won't actually do the work. I have told maybe four or five individuals about you who want the freedom, but haven't watched one video. Yeah, that's how it works, man. You know, people always point out the 99% versus the 1%. And there are some exceptions, but the overwhelming majority of people that are wealthy just simply put in the work. That's it, right? And you hear the, you know, rags to riches stories all the time, all the time. I didn't, come from a family of wealth. My family, my parents have 12 kids. I'm one of 12 kids. So think about how hard my dad had to work in order to buy a hundred and what was it? He bought 12 dozen eggs a week. He bought a dozen gallons of milk. He like, think about that. Just the food bill for 14 people was insane. Right. And um, not to knock welfare or anything like that, but my never, my dad never went on welfare. He never took any government assistance whatsoever just freaking got the job done. Hey guys, Nick Legamaro, look at him on the screen. Nick Legamaro is a friend of mine. He's actually in a mastermind of mine that um, we just left in Tampa. Nick Legamaro is a very high level guy. If you guys want to connect with Nick, he will buy sub two deals in Dallas. He'll help you guys out. Nick is unbelievable. He is very, very good. Um, so make sure you guys all DM him, send him a message. Hey Nick, do us a favor Put your email, put your phone number or something like that into the, the chat so everybody can get to know you, okay? Now, here we go. Vincent Lanza, one of my um, favorite students, Vincent Lanza, doing crazy deals. He's got one deal right now in Southern California. He, he and his partners are going to make about $160,000 on a creative finance deal. And he's accumulated a really decent size rental portfolio in less than 10 months of um, being inside of our program. So incredibly powerful stuff. Um, you guys need to connect with, if you guys are um, not a student, you need to connect with the sub two students. Okay. You don't necessarily need to join the program. Go and mess, um, you know, mess up and bring leads to my sub two students. Okay. Tia says, I thought I was your favorite. Well, Tia, I say I have many favorites. I just say you're one of my favorites and you are one of my favorites for sure. And I'm going to see you this coming week. I'm excited. So Nick at usanotepro.com. You guys need to connect with Nick. He's high level, does a lot of deals. Um, when, you and, when Nick and I get together, it's like hearing two guys speak a completely different language, right? On Sunday Services, the ba this is a basic creative finance uh, podcast where we get into case studies. It's great. And we help people very brand new. 
But if you came in and you were a fly on the wall talking when Nick Legamaro, we, we did a breakout session of this mastermind a couple of, of days ago. And we're talking about deals, how we structure our deals, why he likes to do seller finance, why I like to do Airbnb as an exit or why I like to do lease options or whatever. And we get into these conversations and as we're talking, I'm like, if anybody has never heard of creative finance would think that we're speaking a completely different language, which is fun. So Nick is very high level, reach out to him. And if you guys are one of my students, please let everybody know that you're one of our students so that they can reach out to you, right? I can't help everybody. Please, if you are a sub two student, let everybody know who you are. Let everybody know who you are and what market you're in because the whole purpose of Sunday service is to us is for us to give you the service of bringing the sub two community to you so that you guys can work deals together. You don't care about watching pace. You don't care about anything I have to say tonight unless it makes you money. Okay. So you've got to take the action in the chat and make sure that you guys are linking up, becoming friends, doing deals together. And then by the way, before we get started, I'm here we go on a 15 minute rant. Um, do me a favor. Next week, I know today's Easter. So we've got roughly 250 people watching. Usually we have 450 to 550 watching live. Next week, I would love to see even more, right? I'm going to be in Key West next week um, at another speaking engagement. And then the week after that, I'll be in LA, but I will continue to do Sunday service. If I'm here, guys, please bring a friend. Talk about this on Instagram tonight. Talk about this in your other Facebook group. Take a screenshot. Go into one of your favorite creative, you know, go into one of your favorite other Facebook groups that you're part of in your local area and just say, guys, if you're not watching this podcast on a weekly basis, you are missing millions and millions of dollars of value. We want more people here to do more deals with each other. That is the purpose of Sunday service. So um, Rick Corbett, he says, where do I start? Rick is amazing. He's down in the Miami area. He's one of our, our uh, students. So please, guys, please, please, please link in with uh, Rick. He's an amazing, amazing guy. So Zach Ramirez. Hey, Zach, are you down in Yuma area? Or are you down in, where are you at, Zach? John Lim, by the way, my brother, we will be coming out to the DMV area. Uh, Jamil and I are going to be traveling out to the DMV here in about three weeks. We're going to be, uh, one of our buddies that's part of a mastermind of ours owns a house that's apparently a historical castle in the Baltimore area. And we're going to be doing a meetup with the mayor of Baltimore. And we're going to be inviting all the sub two and Astro uh, students to this castle. Um, okay. Noah Hoffman. Yes, bro. I will. I look forward to you. I will be in Key West. I'm unfortunately not going to make the whole thing, but I will be there um, on Friday and Saturday and I got to get back. Um, we're going to be in Los Angeles for about 10 days. So if anybody's in Los Angeles, we will be doing a sub two and uh, Astro Flip meetup. And then honestly, probably just open it up to everybody. Last time we were in LA, we really only could do a sub two meetup because it was middle of COVID. It was like the height of COVID. And uh, this time around, it's a little bit less intense. And so we're probably going to open it up. We'll probably do it outside at a park. Um, we'll probably do it somewhere in LA County. So just FYI. So tonight, guys, we're going to be talking about, oh, Daryl Ellison says, I have a deal with 28 houses in Baltimore. Nick is already on board. Love it. So guys, please, if you have deals in um, any, any state, we can help you out. One of my sub two students can help you out. So please link in with the sub two students. We have an army of amazing, amazing people and we are growing um, 
the filter on my sub two students is at an all time high. We're trying to bring in only the best of the best people. So, um, really looking forward to seeing you guys do deals with my students. So again, if you're a student, we're at about 275 live watcher uh, viewers right now between all of our channels, please. Everybody that's on Facebook, everybody that's on, um, any of the Facebook streams, come over to the YouTube stream, please come over to the YouTube stream. We're trying to grow the YouTube. It's a little bit easier to work with. Facebook has all sorts of regulations that cuts us off as after a certain time. It's really hard to find the videos once they've been posted, but YouTube is great because they're easy to find. And so we really want to um, go over to YouTube as our main broadcasting channel. So um, anyway, let's get started. Tonight, we're going to be talking about wholesaling subject twos. Now, it's a, it's a topic that it seems weird for me to feel like we have to talk about it and that it's a real thing. But a lot of people don't know that they, they think that, um, ooh, let's pull this up. Um, they think that the only thing you can wholesale is a cash deal, which you, is, is incorrect. Let me pull Daryl Ellison off here. Okay, so Sher Sherida Cotton, okay? Sh Sherida, sorry, Sherida Cotton, if you came in on time, not, not knocking you, not, make, not teasing you, but Nick Legamaro, Nick Legamaro is in the chat and he buys notes, okay? And he's somebody you want to scroll up and you want to find his stuff. And maybe Nick is still in here. He can give you his contact information again. Yo, what up, dog? Yo, yo, what up? Welcome back. Going? Yeah, man. Life's good. Tell me, tell me what, how was uh, the parents' house? It was good. It was good. You know, I had ham and potatoes and all the, all the good Easter all, stuff. All the fixings. Yeah. All, all the good stuff. I brought home some dessert. Wow. So guys, this is Cody Barton. He's my business partner for anybody that's brand new and has found us. Cody Barton is my business partner. He's the guy that lets me go travel the country and he holds all of the stuff together. He's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, Cody's primarily, um, he underwrites our deals. Cody communicates with our private lenders. Once I go out and I raise private capital, and I bring it to the table. Cody takes those relationships over. Cody primarily manages most of our employees. There's a couple that report to me, but they're more on the media side. Um, and then Cody does a tremendous amount of other things behind the scenes, right? Checking the P&Ls, making sure the money is flowing, making sure our bank accounts have the right amount of money in them just in case there's a catastrophe, making sure, you know, making sure all the things are happening and we are buying property. So we actually are working on a deal in Indiana right now. We don't need to talk about the address, but I'd, I'd be curious about that seller finance mobile home park. What's the deal? Why, why is, are we on the fence on that deal? Uh, yeah. So following the call that I'll have tomorrow with uh, Eric, we have a contact in the, uh, in the state of Indiana that we would be partnering on it with for everybody that's listening uh, on a mobile home park. But there's some apprehension that he has specifically from, you know, reviewing the deal a little bit further. Um, one of the biggest things is the uh, actual mobiles themselves that are in the park. They're a little bit older and you can buy some other parks at a similar price point in Indiana with some newer mobiles. So just the replacement cost on those um, longer term, uh, he doesn't really like. And then the other thing is, 
Um, something about the supply of getting new mobile homes right now, they said is challenging to be able to place those four other ones. So there's a few different things going on, but tomorrow I'll have even more information on that. So that's an interesting concept. So I, like, I see that thing, right. And your buddy comes back and he's like, Hey, you know, this purchase price. So guys, let me give you a little bit of, of backstory here because I, I'm going to have something to say about what Cody has to say. And what I, what it is, is that we have somebody that is not a student of ours brought a deal and said, Hey, I've got this mobile home park in Indiana and I really need help with it. Right? So we essentially go to them and we say, Hey, we would buy that on seller finance. Okay. So we go back to the seller. Seller says, yeah, I would be open to seller finance. Okay, great. So we've, you know, the wholesalers got under contract, brings it back to us. And we're like, yeah, we're buyers on this. We want to buy this, but we need to inspect it and we need to go and check this out. So we're in the process, the due diligence process, which means we're looking at the age of the mobiles. We're looking at the rent rates. We're looking at the area. We're looking at, you know, are there other places, you know, is the city growing or is it deflating? Are people moving in? Or are they moving out? What, what does this whole entire situation look like? And so we've been underwriting this mobile home park for the last week or so, right? basically the whole time I was in Tampa. Now, Cody comes back to me. I said, Hey, do we get that house under, or we get that in the mobile home on your contract? And he said, Cody says, uh, well, I don't know. You know, when we're looking at it, it seems like it might not be a deal. And his justification for why it might not be a deal is that the purchase price is similar to what you could pay for another mobile home park on the retail market. But the mobile home park that you buy in the retail market, like loopnet.com. Loopnet.com is a really great place to go find commercial pro properties and mobile home parks, RV parks, those types of things. So Cody's buddy is like, well, hey, you can go buy this, something similar, but the, the units are all going to be much newer if you just go and pay cash for it somewhere else. So Cody, without me going into why I somewhat disagree with that, what do, why do you think I would disagree with that? Not that I disagree, but why do I not care? Uh, because this is a seller carry. I mean, the the sellers, the sellers willing to carry the note on it. Um, one of the other things that he didn't like was how there's a seven year prepayment penalty, because he's like the play on this is you go in, you get you get it stabilized, you get it performing, then you go in and refinance it, and you can't really do that for seven years. So you just kind of have your money sitting and kind of stuck, whether you sell it or refi, there's a pretty hefty penalty to do anything within seven years. Okay. So I look at it for you and I, right? We're younger, right? We're not in our fifties, right? Mm -hmm. I have much more gray hair than you, but I'm still pretty young, right? So I look at a deal like this and I'm like, I would want to, I probably would actually want to hold this because think about this, right? Think about what's going to happen over the next four, five, six years with affordable housing and how good of a deal this really will be, right? I think personally that this becomes a deal that, yes, we raise rents, but we're not going to raise rents once. We're going to raise rents in 24 months. We're going to raise rents in 48 months. We're going to raise rents in 72 months. We're going to raise rents at some point again, right before we go out and exit, right? Every two years, we're probably going to you know, raise the rents. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at a multiplier um, based on the rent rates, I think I wouldn't. I would never want to tie the deal up any shorter than seven years. I think that that's actually a good thing. 
I mean, we're balling out of control, right? <laughs> so what do you what do you not like about that? Um, I mean, honestly, now I'm, I'm just kind of at the point of uh, wanting to talk with Eric's other uh, um, buddy that owns a few parks and is familiar. He's actually familiar with this park and a couple other parks in the surrounding area. Um, he's been involved with deals on, you know, parks very close to this one. So um, really just those couple things. And then it wouldn't really cash flow the greatest at the beginning. And then, you know, the biggest fear that I would have then is if Eric wouldn't want to be in the deal, involved on the deal, having somebody manage, you know, because someone else obviously is going to have to come in and, you know, take over that project because that's not in our bandwidth to, you know, put our effort and our energy day to day into. Okay. So here's, here's, um, so guys, this is a real deal that we're working on. So hopefully this guy's gives you, this is give you value. Usually we I haven't would be, talked about this before, before this call either. We're just, you know, actually yeah. talking about it right now. <laughs> Cody and I haven't really spoken for the last three or four days. Cause I've been tied up in a mastermind. So, and same thing with Cody, when he goes to his, Cody's part of certain masterminds. I'm part of other masterminds that, you know, benefit us individually, um, in our respective roles in our business. And, so when I go and do the things I'm doing, Cody's like, I know Pace needs to absorb, so we're not going to touch base. And so we've been working on this deal. Cody's been underwriting it, working on the due diligence for the last four or five days, but we haven't had this conversation. So hopefully this helps you guys out. So Cody, I look at this deal and I'm like, I don't, obviously I don't know as much as you do, right? But everything I'm looking at, like I'm talking to Jason Hartman and Jason Hartman says, Pace, I'm telling you, buy everything you possibly can get your freaking hands on for the next 48 months. Buy everything, everything, everything. Like looking at inflation, we ju they just announced another $2 trillion stimulus just like six hours ago. So you look at that, what's happening is, and then we talk, they talked about like Lee Kearney, who was in the mastermind as well. Lee Kearney was showing all the data regarding he said, look, you can buy, you can pay for things $40,000, $50,000 over retail today. And in 24 months, 48 months, the inflation still has not caught up with home prices. It's, go, it's going to continue to push and we're going to see a rapid rise in, in home prices across the board. So I look at that and I'm like, well, purchase price is, is relative, obviously. What I care about more than anything, this is the most important thing in my mind, is because we primarily are owning the, the land, right? We own the land. Yep. And the purchase price is $700,000. Yep. Right? So- no, 600000 $600,000. Okay, so $600,000. The purchase price is $600,000 and it's almost, how many mobile homes are there? Uh, there's 24 lots and there's okay. 19 that have mobiles or 20 that have mobiles on them. Okay, so we have 20 mobiles on us. That just gives me like, I want that deal. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm a little bit aggressive, but I look at that and I'm like, okay, affordable housing, amazing, amazing opportunity for us on seller finance. The seller doesn't even want us to cash him out anytime soon. He's like, I want, I, he actually is the opposite of a balloon. Yeah. He's his, his thing is like, I don't want you to pay me off. I want yeah. to keep this going for at least seven years. Mm -hmm. So the advantage for us Here's the, here's the potential disadvantage. So we talked about Sunday service last week. We talked about depreciation and tax benefits. One thing you can't do depreciation on is dirt. 
So you can't depreciate land. And so what that means for anybody that's new and paying attention, last week we talked about how to basically become make, Cody and I make a lot of money in real estate and we pay very little taxes on the money that we make because we utilize depreciation, which is amazing. And last week's Sunday service episode was all about depreciation and why you guys should give a crap about it. It's incredibly important. It's one of those things that you're like, why did I not learn this in my freaking 20s type of thing? And one thing I know is that we can't depreciate dirt, right? We can't depreciate the land. And because we don't own the homes, right? These people are basically, they either own their homes or are, are any of the homes owned? None of them? We will own, as part of the deal, we'll be owning nine out of the 20 that are on there. But we Amazing. won't want to own them. We're going to want to sell or carry those to somebody else. <laughs> Got it. Okay, cool. So it sounds like a great project. It sounds like a good learning lesson for us, right? Because essentially you go learn, you go pay to um, learn from a mobile home park owner on how to do this. 15, 25,000 and you go through a year mentorship type of thing to like really learn this or you just be a couple of ballers like us and just jump into it. Now, the good thing is that we have students in, in Indiana, right? We have a lot of students in Indiana that can be boots on the ground and you know, give them a 5% equity play or something like that to be boots on the ground and run around, coordinate, whatever. I look at it and I say, if Toby Mathis, who's setting up my private charity right now, says that we can donate the land to the charity and get a tax write-off, then I look at this and I go, that's the best deal of the century. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Because you're, you're look, you look at $700,000, right? You're going to make more than $700,000 this year. So it's like, why, why, like the main thing I care about is that will save $200,000 in real tax money by buying that deal and donating that to a charity. I like it. I like that a lot, if that's possible. John Lim says, I can help with the breakdown of the entire park. Does he know? John, do you know about the deal? I don't I think, think he knows. I think he did mobile home parks, I guess. I don't know. John, I didn't know you were doing mobile home parks. I did not it's know that. There's a couple of people on here that are like, oh, I have mobile home. I have a mobile home park or I know people with mobile home parks. Love it. So Cody and I are trying to venture into that a lot more. Um, we are going to continue to buy outside of the state. We're going to be doing more Airbnb exits um, with Noah Hoffman. So if you guys don't know Noah Hoffman, find him in the chat. He's our personal Airbnb manager. He's amazing. And we actually had him on Sunday service about a month ago. And I think he's actually come on twice. But on the other hand, we also want to buy mobile home parks and buy them on sub two or seller finance. Primarily most mobile home parks are going to be on seller finance. So I look at that and I go, dude, take, take that deal. If we can donate the land, which my, that's my understanding. I just need to confirm with him via email. If he says, yes, you can donate to a charity and you get the full tax write-off or maybe like a 75%, you know, tax write-off or whatever. I think that that's a no brainer save ourselves $200,000 in real tax on that one deal and mm -hmm. then go through the process and get that thing, one, stabilized, two, raise the rents, three, put the other four mobiles on it, you know, sometime in the next 24 months. And now you got a really, really crazy good performing asset that we hold on to for eight years. And 
I look at it and go, why don't we just hold on to it indefinitely, right? Essentially, Ready Player One, that's probably where Ready Player One is going to... Did you ever see Ready Player One? No. Oh, my gosh. It basically is a movie all about the future where people, they run out of affordable living. So what they do is they take mobile home parks and they actually start stacking mobile homes on each other <laughs> like skyscrapers. And they call them oh the stacks. God. Yeah. <laughs> That's so guys, great. if you're, if you're a sub two student, um, there's a couple of people in here saying, Hey, Pace, can you talk more about that private charity? If you're a sub two student, go into the private zoom that we did with Toby Mathis from Anderson business, um, advisors about 30 days ago, he came in, he's currently setting up a, a charity for Cody and I, so that we can start doing nonprofit stuff and donating our properties to the charity. Because when we donate the properties to the charity, all the cash flow in that charity is tax free. Okay. Like there's only one thing cooler than tons of cash flow, and that's tons of cash flow without paying tax on that cash flow. So it just compounds and compounds and compounds and compounds. And it gets to a point where it's like, oh my gosh, right? Oh my gosh, another $2,000, another $3,000, another $4,000, another $8,000. And you're just like, OMG. And it turns into a snowball of massive momentum when you don't have to turn around and write a check to the IRS every single time that you make money. So anyway, um, the deal, I personally think that, yes, there's some older mobile homes on it, but for the tax savings alone on that deal, plus the, the fact that it does cash flow right now and will cash flow tremendously, what's our entry fee on the deal? The entry fee is like 70000 no, it'll be about 115,000. 115,000. So we're, I, I mean, that's the other thing that's crazy too, is like, I'm going to go get a private lender to bring that $115,000 to the table. And then you're going to get half the depreciation and I'm going to get half the depreciation. You made $100,000 in real money this year on that one deal. And I made $100,000 in real money on that deal by not writing it to the IRS. Facts. And we didn't, I didn't, you didn't have to write a check and I didn't have to write a check in order to get that asset. Yep. Do you want to tell Eric now that it, you think it's a good deal? Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm going to, I'm going to talk to him and tell him what we like about it for sure. And see, um, see what his thoughts are on that. Co guys, congratulate Cody on being very talkative tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, I love it. Want more details? My integrator, my integrator, and me wants all the all the details. I want to know all the things. <laughs> so um, I'm going to be going to I'm going to be going to Key West this week, and then next week I'll be in LA. But um, I'm going to be doing a Zoom with Toby Mathis and the sub two students again in two weeks, and we're going to be talking specifically about the the charity that they've been setting up with me. He finally got back to me. Says he has an opening, um, not this week, but the next week. So what? I'm going to do is have him confirm that we can do donate it. And then he's going to come into the sub two student base and do a two hour zoom talking about the process of transferring the property into the charity, how the paperwork looks. What does that look like? Cause I've never ran a charity before. You've never ran a charity before. I mean, shit, you just got your driver's license. So that's not going to be something you've done before. So, um, once he confirms, I think it's a deal we move forward with. I've already got a lender lined up. And, um, we move forward, we do the deal, we go, and that's the other thing too. This is the crazy thing is every time we venture into a new thing and we get a little bit gutsy on something, 
what happens is 25 opportunities, very similar to that one, follow behind it. End of the year, like buy another, buy like two more mobile home parks. I'm telling you, it, they'll come, right? Because we'll be talking about it. You and I might go out there to Indiana and shuck corn or whatever it is that they do out <laughs> in Indiana. And we'll talk about it on YouTube. We'll talk about it on Instagram and people will send us opportunities and we'll buy more deals, not just in Indiana. I mean, preferably it'd be cool to just own a, a collective group of three or four of them in the same area. Yeah. But guys, everybody that's paying attention right now, we've got you know upwards of 300 people watching live between YouTube and Facebook. We didn't even, I've never, have you ever spoken to the seller, Cody? No, just, just I, the wholesaler. I've never spoken to the seller. And this is the, this is the benefit. And this is the thing that we teach the sub two students is go out and find wholesalers and say, bring me those deals because I can make them work. Right. A wholesaler, very smart operating wholesaler, making money, can't figure out that this is a deal that he's going to take on his own. So he goes to somebody like us and says, I will assign this deal to you and you can take over the seller finance note, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't do it, I'm doing it. Hey, I, I, I like the deal. I like the deal. I prefer that we do it together. Yeah, you know me. I'm, uh, everything that I underwrite, it's always looking at the worst case scenario, which is right. why, I mean, we haven't ever lost money on a deal that we've bought. That no. I've no. And what's great too, is like, I just got a check in my, I got, I got a wire transfer last week for like $18,000. And I was like texting the bookkeeper. I go, what's this $18,000 for? And she's like, it's so funny. You don't even know what money's coming in your account. I was like, well, that's the benefit of having multiple streams of income and a really good business partner. And you know, you do a really good job on underwriting our fix and flips. And that means if I made 18,000, that means you made $18,000 on that deal as well. Yeah. Well, which deal was that? Um, I don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying I, to think. I, I, 50, 50, 30, no, no, it's not it. I don't remember one of our flips. We got a, we had a few flips closed in the last couple of weeks. I don't remember. We have a we have a deal on Acacia. Is that that's a deal? Are we making like that's 80 a grand? great deal? How um, much are we making on that? Uh, we'll probably net like seventy grand on that one. Amazing. And it's been it's crazy because the, just the market appreciation since we've owned it, and that that's what's really it's crazy, but it's also kind of scary that it's gone up that much in value, and then that also somebody is going that somebody is buying a manufactured home for three hundred and sixty thousand right. dollars in Apache Junction. Insanity. Right. So Lewis um, says, can a charity own different kinds of businesses? The answer is yes. Look at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Okay. They call it a nonprofit, but it is one of the most profitable ventures of all time. They're buying hundreds of thousands of acres of farmland across the country. They're buying stock and ownership position in multiple businesses. They're, they're, they're one of the largest owners of Berkshire Hathaway stock. That's a charity. That's a nonprofit charity that's making a ton of money, right? As long as you have it set up properly, yes. Same thing with the Hershey Foundation. Same thing with um, hundred all the all football um, or all college sports are all charities. 
even for a long time, the NFL was a charity. A lot of people don't know that the NFL was a freaking nonprofit and they had it set insane, (laughs) insane. And a lot of people just don't know this. And we're all out there with our LLCs paying a ton of money in taxes. So as long I I suggest maybe we get um, Toby Mathis into the sub two student base and talk about maybe some of his other clients that he's had with charities and what they're, what other things they're doing. But primarily for us, the goal is how do we have a portion of our charity operating with, um, you know, low income housing, veteran, veteran assisting housing, homeless, you know, help homeless shelter type of stuff. How do we have a portion of our portfolio or a portion of our charity own those things? And then we can have other things like, Airbnbs and mobile home parks. Well, mobile home parks would actually be um, qualify a qualifier for that charity because it's low income housing. The government is okay with you having low income housing in your charity, and they will allow you to t- make that money cash f- uh, tax free as long as it is helping somebody in need, which is low income housing, veterans, blah 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 blah. Okay, so there. Hopefully that answers your question, Lewis. Um. Jeremy Davis says the NHL is still a charity, which is cool. Tommy Holloway. Pace, I'm a a student in North Carolina and I can't find a private lender for down payment and repairs on my seller finance or subject to property. So Tommy Holloway, that tells me that you have not watched the private lender Zoom that I have done probably three weeks ago where I showed you exactly where to find those lenders. I actually pulled up tax records. I showed the students. And any student that actually saw that Zoom, I know Tia saw that, a lot of other people saw that Zoom, and they were like, wow, this is life-changing, unbelievable stuff. Multiple students saying that that one Zoom was worth the price of the mentorship by itself. So Tommy, go into the Facebook group, ask people to tag you in that Zoom so that you can go through and watch that, and it will show you exactly where to find second position lenders for your sub two down payment and your repair deals. And also, if you're in North Carolina, that means you haven't worked out with Billy and Bobby, the two to two students that are locked. I think he has like 68 or 69 sub two deals. Now, when he started the mentorship, he had like 32. He's in the Carolinas and he'll do deals in South Carolina and North Carolina. It means you haven't reached out to all your student base. Okay. Um, Jeanette says, can you do a, a zoom for setting up a, a charity properly? Yeah. So we're going to be doing that. We're going to be bringing in Toby Mathis in two weeks from Anderson business advisors into the private sub two uh, student base. And that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about why I, well, I shouldn't t- tell you guys why, because if you guys go back to the corporate structure zooms, there's five of them. I did five zooms, how to set up an LLC the right way. Everything you've ever been told is wrong. you've ever heard any be talked about on YouTube. You've heard them talk about on Instagram. You've seen people make cool, cool ass posts about start an LLC. They are 100% wrong. And after watching that first zoom, you will have an epiphany. And then in the preceding, um, two and three zooms after that, I actually go through Cody's corporate structure, my corporate structure, how they flow together, how the money goes here to there, how we pay ourselves. What does that look like? all of the possibilities of running a business like ours, all of, all of it is on a mind map. And that alone is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars of value. It's crazy how long it took us to learn that. 10 years took me to learn this stuff. And then the fifth Zoom, we actually brought Toby Mathis in talking about how I met him um, back in Miami two months ago, and he is setting up my charity and why he's setting up the charity. So 
Jeanette, go watch those Zooms. They're unbelievable, unbelievable uh, content inside of them. Uh, let's see. So Lisa Edwards, she says, you're setting up a trust to hold my LLCs. Love that. Um, Alan Johnson says, GOAT. That's Cody right there, dude, the GOAT. Um, so many deals, you can't even remember where the deals are coming from, which is true. It's kind of a good feeling to have, right? So Roger Bremer says, how do you create a charity? Roger, um, make sure, uh, Tia, Tia Campbell, she's in LA, guys, if anybody needs help in the LA County, and I think Tia's doing deals in other areas. Um, make sure you reach out to Tia. She's great. But she says that those Zooms that we just did um, are the, her favorites by far. Shmoney Team Chris. So Chris, go back. Um, you're either teasing me or you're okay. serious. He yeah. says, what is uh, subject to? So Shmoney Team Chris, go back to about two months ago. We actually did a full dedicated Sunday service to what is subject to and what are the benefits to subject to. And it was an hour and a half long dedicated to just that one answer. I would suggest you go to that. Um, Roger Bremer says, where's the link to that Zoom? Well, Roger, I would give it to you. But the best way to find it is go into the Facebook group, tag Reagan or tag one of the students, maybe one of your accountability leaders, and they will help you get into that Zoom. Okay. Um, Tia says, Tia, what's your uh, AI or Al says, Tia, what is your contact information? No way. It's Tia's birthday. Happy birthday, Tia. Happy birthday. She's amazing. She's one of my favorite, favorite students for sure. Um, okay. So let's get, let's get to it. We've got, if you guys have questions, we'll answer them along the way. Um, please let us know if you have any questions, but essentially the topic at hand tonight, Cody, is how to wholesale a subject to. Okay. And we don't wholesale a lot of subject twos. And why is that? Uh, cause we're keeping them. We're generally keeping everything that we get subject to. Right. Primary so, reason. Right. Love that. So guys, look at my screen. I'm going to do a little screen share here. Um, I, well, I thought I was, but apparently my screen really, really does not like this uh, version. So hold on a second. Let's uh, bring this over into notability. Let's create a new note. And then that way I can actually zoom in on this thing and we can make this a little bit more official. So what's cool is I'm actually building, I'm making an ebook about all of these things, okay? So wholesaling a subject to. Oh, shoot, I actually did create it. Hold on a second. Let's see if I can pull this up because this would be absolutely amazing. Um, being able to pull this up and show you guys the link. Oh my gosh, this is gonna be great. Oh yeah, baby. I'm so excited. This is the, uh, is this the chart that you put together? Yes. Check it out. Ooh, let me take myself off here. There you go. All right. So, um, check it out uh, guys. You guys can see this. I'm creating, um, an ebook. Essentially this is one exit strategy and it's the path of, of, um, an exit, this exit strategy, right? So at the top here, you can see that We've got the actions to take at the very, very top, okay? And then at the bottom, you have the tools that you need, right? Everything down here at the bottom are the tools that you need. So I'm creating, my gosh, this is my editing software. So I got to make sure that I don't edit anything while I'm doing it. So I've got all the steps along the way. Oh my word. 
all the steps along the way of this path. And so I am not quite done with it, but I'm going to be releasing it soon. So we're going to go through the steps of doing a wholesale, a subject to tonight and hopefully give you guys some crazy value. But essentially the first exit strategy that when you get into creative finance, the first exit strategy or the first couple of exit strategies should be wholesaling your first couple of deals. Okay. Cody, why would we give them um, good advice? Why, why would be the advice to wholesale their first creative couple of creative finance deals? I mean, typically the, the biggest reasons are going to be a capital thing where you may not have the capital yourself to fund the, uh, the entry fee, or you don't have a private lender that is ready to go lined up to jump into that deal. And part of the first couple of deals, uh, whether you're just wholesaling a regular wholesale deal or wholesaling a subject to is going through that learning process. And if you bring it to somebody that's, you know, well-versed in doing those types of deals and how, you know, bring that deal as a value, obviously get paid for that deal as well, but bring that deal to somebody and then have them show you that process and take you from that start to finish of how to structure that deal. What does the paper look, uh, paperwork look like? How does that all come together? So that then when you go to buy it yourself, that you feel very familiar with the process, you understand what you're doing. And, you know, by that time you've wholesaled some of them. So you should, by that point, have some cash that you could take the deal down yourself and you can make that, you know, cash flow, whether it's going to be a hold or be able to do a sub tail and flip it. Love that. So really, really good answer there, Cody. Um, we are going to keep cranking this out. Let's, let's go into it. So Cody's hundred percent correct guys. Um, we want to make sure that when we're starting into this, right, check, check out all these exit strategies. You see all these exit strategies, by the way, look at the, there's, look at the one. there's not enough, dude. I know. Um, so when you look at this and you should see my Miro, dude, my, my freaking Miro, let me pull this up real quick. This is sick. I just did um, with the students, I did a dope ass exit strategy zoom. Check this out. I won't go through this. I just did this with the sub two students where I showed every exit strategy possible and how to how the acquisition model works with each disposition. Come on, baby. You're faster than this. There we go. All that's coming up here. Somebody's asking, what's a subtail? Subtail is just the acquiring of the property subject to and then taking it retail. So taking it to the market, listing it on the market for sale and basically flipping it, but you're closing as a subject to as the acquisition. So here's all the acquisition strategies, guys. We're not going to go through this. This is a kind of a private document that I give to my students um, that we're building it all out right now. But these, all these little mini sticky notes on the left-hand side, those are all the different ways you can buy a property creatively. And that's what's crazy about creative finance is that it's endless, right? It's endless what you can do. And, um, you know, going back to this, check this out. Like, look at all the, that's, that's the, that's how you buy a deal. That sheet I just showed you, but this is how you sell a deal. Look at all these cool things. So in the very beginning, like Cody said, the first reason why you would wholesale a subject to, instead of acquiring it, holding it, turning into a cash flowing property is number one, I'm brand new right? I need to learn still. And that's what I teach the students in sub two. I say, wholesale your first couple of deals, watch how the paperwork works. Show, you'll learn how to find the buyers, all that kind of stuff. 
And then you'll realize that it's the easiest thing ever. It's easier than any wholesale deal you'll ever do. And then the second reason why you wholesale the deals is to get your capital up, like Cody mentioned, right? You want to get more money in your pocket. And then number three, the reason you do it is because you might run into deals that you don't want, right? Cody and I just did a, we wholesaled a deal to Alex in Orlando, a deal that we didn't want. It was just an area that we don't want to hold in. It's not that it's a bad deal. It's just a deal that we don't personally want to hold that deal in. Okay. And that's why we tell people, especially in the sub two community, guys, wholesale the sub two, wholesale the seller finance, wholesale the land contractor agreement for sale, wholesale the lease option, even though I really don't like acquiring on lease options. Um, I really don't like this. Um, it's just, there's better ways to do it. Okay. So today we're going to talk about primarily these two things right here, wholesaling a sub two and wholesaling a seller finance. Okay. So first thing you want to do, okay. When you are wholesaling a subject to or seller finance is number one, communicate properly with the seller. Okay. You'll get a lot of people because this is very un unlike a cash transaction where if here's the seller on, this is the A to B contract. Here's me. Me and the seller get a document between the two of us. That's called the purchase contract. And then I sign the deal to somebody that is my buyer. And that is now called the B to C contract. And I get what is called an assignment for that. Everybody kind of knows that, I assume. So you're doing the same thing. It's very, very similar. The difference is this, is that in a cash transaction, what happens is this person, the buyer, they bring money to the table, okay? This money goes and pays off this seller and the seller now no longer has any tie to the property. Their house, their name's not on the property. They're not tied to it whatsoever. But in a creative finance transaction, what happens is you assign it and you remove yourself. And now what happens is the buyer and the seller are directly communicating with each other. Okay, so I like to let the buyer and I like to let the seller know, hey, I'm gonna, once we close escrow, I'm gonna communicate with you guys with each other or during escrow, I'm gonna have you guys communicate with each other. But this is the way you do it. Number one, you communicate. And you, I just told the sub two students this, you tell the, the seller one of three things. You say either A, I'm going to buy this myself. Two or B, you say, I might partner with somebody. And if you're a sub two student and you haven't seen this Zoom, we just barely did the Zoom a couple of Saturdays ago for about two hours. Um, so you might have some specific questions about it. I might partner with somebody. Depending on what I have going on, I might have to bring on a capital partner, et cetera, et cetera. Or C, I might um, have might say one of my friends or one of my investor pals or whatever might have someone um, fulfill the price for you. Okay. And what that means is I'm essentially assigning it, right? Let's say that I tell the seller, I say, Hey, look, I'm really busy. We're buying a lot of houses. And so at the end of the day, either A, I'm going to buy the house myself. B, I'm going to go partner with somebody or C, depending on if I buy a ton of houses or not, I might just have to go find another investor that wants to step 
into my shoes and fulfill this contract for for me to make sure that you get the number that we promised you. Okay. So if if we do that, then when it comes down to our actual exit strategy and I end up assigning the subject to deal, do am I sitting there, you know, did I lie to the seller? Did I put myself in a stressful situation? The answer is no. I communicated up front. I was very honest. I let them know what was going on. Okay. Now here's the other thing is in an A to B contract, this is where a lot of people get it wrong. And guys, we are messing, we have people's um we have people's loans in place, right? We're taking this seller. Here's the seller here. The seller is keeping their credit impacted and they have a loan that stays in place. So we have to make sure that this person is going to be a credible buyer, right? And so you also, the most important thing you want to do is you want to make sure you have the right contracts. You want to have the correct documents, I see a lot of people going and buying these subject to deals and seller finance deals with a freaking wholesale contract. Bunch of knuckleheads. There's about 18 different disclosures that this document has to have letting the seller know what's going on, okay? Then the other thing is you do not assign a deal from you to your buyer with a regular ass assignment contract. You need to have a sub two assignment contract because your buyer needs to be aware of those disclosures. Your buyer needs to be aware of what's going on here, okay? So all the parties need to know what's going on, which is an interesting topic because as you scale in this business, you um, realize how how scared people are of just having regular conversations with sellers, right? So if uh, Justin says, how do we get those contracts? You have two choices, okay? You either A, go, if you're a sub two student, you have access to all of those. Okay. Um, you have access to all those documents as a student of sub2.com. It, the other choice you have is go hire an attorney. And the challenge is, and we've spent probably close to $30,000 in, in contracts over the last couple of years. That's the value of joining a mentorship is you get all that stuff. You get all those contracts, you know, when you come into the mentorship. Um, so those are your two real options there. Okay. Um, Rick says, this is one of the billion reasons the mentorship is the best ever. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate you, bro. So um, those are your two options when you're getting that paperwork. It's freaking vital. Cody, without saying anybody's names, we had a partnership a year ago. How vital is um, how vital is paperwork in making sure that paperwork is done properly? To give everyone an idea, I still get brain damage consistently from paperwork being incorrect on deals from previous years in the past, from it being done incorrectly. So give me deals. give me a couple examples of incorrect paperwork. Is it insurance? Is it we don't have the right login for the bank? What is it? Not having any logins for any banks for a few of the properties that we own, not having any power of attorney over insurance. So we can't change anything with insurance. We're overpaying for insurance. And then we have, you know, just an additional insurance policy on top of it. Um, those are those are the two biggest things, really. Um, I really like having a login, the mortgage portal login online, um, because we don't even know what the loan balances are on some of these. We just know what they were when we bought them, which is great. But we don't we can't call in and get the information. They won't give it to us. We just can make the payment. So that's you know some some of the uh, challenges that um, we have, and with a seller, once the seller sells their deal, 
they're gone. Like they go ghost and you typically never hear from them ever again. And unless sometimes you have a good seller here and there, but a lot of times they're just, they're gone and moved on with their life. But those are the biggest things are not having certain power of attorneys that you need to have, um, not having certain things in place for insurance that you should have. Um, and then, you know, that we haven't had, thankfully, you know, knock on wood, any disclosure issues. Um, but, you know, that, those are the things that happen when you don't have the right paperwork. So let me give people some context here. So a couple of years back, Cody and I partnered with a couple of guys and Cody, I was the guy raising capital and we were bringing like 90% of the deals to the table. And we we're like, Hey, let's partner together and go buy 50 houses and let's just see how the partnership goes. Well, we didn't quite get to 50 houses before we realized the other two partners were not basically doing anything. Right. And they had, they, um, essentially we're in charge of the paperwork and organizing things. And so very long story short, we separated from them. We were like, we cannot be in business with you guys. We operate way too on like above board. We know what we're doing and we are going way too fast. You guys can barely keep up. So what ends up happening is we split the, we split, we assign, we um, deed a handful of the properties to them as their parting gift. And we kept, um, you know, our portion and we are currently going back and fixing all the paperwork that these guys, because again, we were bringing the deals to the table. We were raising the private capital. We were doing the construction. We were the ones finding the tenants. We were doing all of those things. And all these guys had to do was the paperwork. And all they had to do is make sure that they used our transaction coordinator, but instead they were trying to do the paperwork themselves for who knows what reason. And so Cody, here we are still, you know, a long time later, still going through and solving little issues that if we didn't solve those issues would become major issues if they were not addressed. So setting up um, paperwork properly is vital in a subject to and seller finance deal. And what happens, I see a lot of wholesalers go, oh yeah, it's not a big deal. And they assign a deal and guess what? They don't run into a deal. They don't run into an issue right away. They get their check, they cash it. And then the boogeyman comes chasing you down a year and a half later. Okay. We've had multiple people come to me that are not stu students that are DM me and go, I just got the do on sale clause. My buyer just got the do on sale clause called and the bank is taking the house. And I'm like, okay, how can I help? He's like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, uh, call one of my students. They'll help you, but you need to bring a deal to them in the future to compensate them. And then one of my students will go and fix the problem for them. But it takes a lot and it's stressful when you don't do it the right way. Yes. So it's these wholesalers. It's the same lackadaisical behavior of why they're not successful in wholesale is the same reason why they don't have these conversations and do the right paperwork. And they think that they can just do a three-page contract with a seller on subject two without the disclosures and without, without all the right stuff. And they put themselves in really bad situations. So paperwork is vital. Communication with the seller is absolutely vital. So if you guys, if you're a sub two student, we had a lot of students join last week. We decided um, to open up a couple of areas that had been sold out for a while. And it was like, boom, we brought, we brought in a handful of students. And so if you're a newer student watching Sunday service for the first time, make sure you go into our Zooms, our bonus Zooms, where Rochelle and Sean St. Clair, our actual um, attorney who's drafted all these documents, they did it. Uh, they've done three zooms where they walk through each line by line by line what it is, why it was written that way, why do we use it, how to fill this out, so that you understand you're like a master of contracts by the time you watch those zooms. 
If you're a student, go watch those Zooms. It will help you tremendously. I'm going to take a quick question because it's been asked like five times by Samuel Kemp. Um, in regards to systems, logging contacts, calls, texts, emails, what do you use to make those contacts and what do you use to log them in the CRM? So we use something called smartphone. You can use it as a dialer within your CRM to auto dial or do one-off dials. Um, but that syncs with our Podio system, bombcrm.com. So you can integrate those together. So smartphone, it does all of that. It tracks those calls, the texts, and then emails. That's just part of your CRM. So everything could be done between those two. A little off topic, but I know that question kept coming up. So um, so guys, check out Noah Hoffman on the screen. Noah Hoffman says, I've JV'd in three sub twos and one owner finance since I joined them at sub two mentorship. And he set up like 10 of my Airbnbs. The guy's a monster. Um, Noah Hoffman, thank you. And he just made $91,000 on a wholesale deal inside the sub two mentorship. The other student made 91,000 as well. Oh my gosh. That's a on, a whole, on a wholesale transaction. Juicy boy. I'm excited for Noah to come out here. He's setting up He's setting up Sonnet for us. He's going to probably check out a couple other houses that we need to get Airbnb'd out too. What's the story with Valentine, the house we just bought, um, seller finance with the tenants involved? Oh, they're fighting. So we're just going to, you know, go through the process again. I love it. Get them out. And they have no, they have no, um, what, no what do you think? No lease. Do you think it's going to be pretty easy to get them out? I think it'll take a month and a half. Love it. It's a good house though. It'll be, I think it'll be a good yeah, Airbnb. Good house. Good house. So if you guys have tenant properties where you have, where tenants are living in the house and you need to sell those, we are definitely buyers for those. Okay. In Arizona, so, some states are not as the judges aren't as friendly in some states as they are in Arizona. Yeah. Um, so going back to the lecture, um, hopefully everybody's getting a little bit of value. Let's go back to this for a couple of minutes. So number one, we talked about that, right? Communication, guys. You got to communicate with the seller. Let them know what the hell you're doing. If you're going to assign the deal, let them know, hey, I'm either A, going to buy it myself here, B, I'm going to partner with somebody, or C, if, if um, I decide that I have too many deals going on, I'm just going to sell that um, str uh, straight out of the gate. I'm going to sell it. or I'm gonna, I, I don't say I'm going to sell it. I say I'm going to find somebody to fulfill the obligation. That's what I say, Okay. Then um, you want to make sure you have the right documents. So either A, join sub two, which I'm not trying to get people to sign up for sub two. You guys know I'm never trying to do that. Um, most, of, uh, most of the areas are sold out anyway, but join sub two would be a smart way to go or hire an attorney. Sean St. Clair, I, uh, we just got a bill from him. How much was that bill? Six grand. I mean, shoot, we freaking pay that guy's. I'm sure we probably pay his mortgage payment every month and the utilities just off of our bills every month. Right. So guys, if you pay, if you pay attention, attorneys are expensive. So, um, a lot of times people don't understand creative finance and how many documents are actually involved. Sometimes just the documents alone are worth the price of a mentorship. Okay. So whether it's our mentorship or somebody else's mentorship, take a look at that because number one, finding an attorney that knows what the hell they're talking about. And then finding an attorney that's actually drafted these types of documents and been through the ins and outs, super valuable. Um, and then C, here's the other way to do it. You can JV with one of my um, sub two students. Okay. If you need the documents, you can JV with them. I instruct my students not to just give you guys documents because there's a lot of pieces of shit out there that will just try and get the documents without actually doing a deal. 
So my sub two students are not going to give you the documents without doing a deal with you. Go give them value. Go do a deal with them and they will let you have access to the, doc the documents on your guys' JV deals, okay? Give them value. Now, the third thing you want to worry about is if you're assigning a sub two deal is you want to make sure you have a good title company or a good transaction coordinator. Um, and the coordinator that we use is constantclose.com. Okay. Oops, my bad. My handwriting is total crap right now. Constantclose.com. And she will make sure that you have, this, her name is Rochelle. She will make sure you have a good um, title company or closing attorney wherever you're doing the deal that understands transactions like this, creative finance, subject twos, seller finance, novation agreements, et cetera. So super, super important that you find a good title company uh, or utilize a good coordinator to help you find a good title company. Now, number four, what to worry about is, this is a, a, probably the trickiest subject, is putting myself in a position where if I, Cody, let's say that I buy a sub two deal from a seller, right? And I assign that deal to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. I assign that deal to you. And you default on the payments. Okay. You default on the payments. Do you have any idea of how I, the person who assigned it to you, can either benefit from that or maybe be two different, completely different avenues? How can I protect myself from never that ever, ever coming back on me? I mean, number one is going to be having the right disclosures in place. And that's part of having the paperwork, right? Is having everything disclosed properly that everybody knows what's going on, what's happening so that you don't have a, you know, the bad situation. Uh, how you benefit is if that is going to happen, I mean, you could have a performance deed in place that it deeds back to you potentially as part of the deal. Uh, could be one option. Another option could be um, if they're going to be in that situation where they are going to default, have some sort of other fallback for you to get that deal again and try to either reassign it or you take it over. Um, yeah. So yes, that's a great one. So a couple of things, guys, Cody was just saying, essentially, if the buyer on the back end, you assign the deal to the buyer. So if I assign a deal to Cody and Cody turn, like, let's say that Cody just gets completely pulled off this, the face of this earth, he gets abducted by aliens. He can't make the payments. What happens? Well, if I chose the right paperwork, what happens, and I structured it properly, is the house that Cody is not making payments on goes back to the original seller, okay? And the seller doesn't have to go through the full foreclosure process. It's, it's actually a lot easy. It's very, very easy. But for us, if it's in an area that we want to buy in, we actually structure the documents to say, we have the first right of refusal to buy the house before it goes back to the seller so that we can turn around and either assign it again, or maybe at that in that situation, we might be ready to take that deal down when originally that deal or that lead was on our table. We're like, we're not ready for this. We got too many things going on or whatever. Okay. A couple of things to, to, to note there. Okay. Pay attention to that. And um, if we need to deep dive on that, uh, maybe ask one of my students, they can deep dive on a little bit of like, why would you not want to take a deal versus why you would take a deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, so Stefan Matthews is trying to take some notes for us, which I appreciate. Thank you so much. Um, Trey Chandler says, thanks for the, for this pace and Cody learning more. Every time y'all speak, can't get enough. Thank you, Trey. We do appreciate it. Um, we do work for compliments basically. And, uh, we're grateful for you guys all tuning in and, and dude, it's freaking Easter Sunday. And there's people on the East coast like LaShawn Baker. She's in Atlanta. It's 11 15 right now at where LaShawn is. LaShawn, you're awesome. Um, Cody, you want to jump on this for a minute? Read it out loud though, because yeah, remember, so this is I'm a podcast. starting my, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Justin saying I'm starting my SMS marketing tomorrow morning, have been cold calling and only getting a little success. So going to bats leads and seeing what I can get going over there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, texting has been our bread and butter for the last few years. Um, texting works great, especially, I mean, Justin, if you're the one that's manning the cold calling or texting, I would definitely say you should be texting over cold calling all day because you're able to accomplish a lot more, um, you know, when you're doing texting. And if you haven't already gotten started with Bats Leads, you could use Pace's sushi code, um, batsleads.io forward slash Pace to get 500 free texts. So when you start that campaign up tomorrow, Justin, um, you could do that. But, uh, you know, texting you're going to get to the speed to the lead a lot faster. Um, with cold calling, the numbers look like if you make a thousand to twelve hundred dials on an automated dialer, like on Bats Dialer or Call Tools, you're typically going to connect with a hundred to 120 of those people. Out of those hundred to 120 people you connect with, maybe one to three of those could be leads, max, typically. So with texting, if you send out you know, 500 or a thousand texts in a couple hours or in a day, you can set yourself up to get a lot of responses coming back a lot faster. So Justin, absolutely. That is what I, what I did instead of cold calling at the beginning was I was texting because you can get to the leads a lot faster. So definitely do it. But here's the thing. You got to stay consistent with it. Don't just text one day and then not send out another campaign for a week. You got to consistently, you know, figure out what your budget is and do a little bit each day. So there's a good question in here. Okay. I'm going to give you guys a couple of codes. Um, we don't just push, push bats batch. We use, sometimes we'll use PropStream for comping and doing a couple of things. There's a couple of lists that Cody will pull on PropStream specifically. So I'm going to give you guys a code for batch leads. It'll give you 500 free text messages for a buck. That's actually an oxymoron. I said 500 free text messages for a dollar. Um, so it'll give you 500 text messages for a dollar, which is great. So that you guys can actually try out the platform. That's that code down below, um, batchleads.io forward slash pace. Then I also gave you guys a free trial for, uh, for PropStream. We use both. The reality is when you're making money in this business, $100, $50, $20 subscription really doesn't bother you. Um, when you're starting out, I totally get it, right? We use multiple things. Like sometimes we'll even run over to Zillow and get a piece of information that like PropStream didn't have. It's crazy. You can't expect any of these, these platforms to ever be per perfect. So we actually will use multiple platforms. We're happy with all of them. Now we text from batch and sometimes we pull specific lists from PropStream. So Hopefully that gives you the information, batchleads.io forward slash pace to get 500 free uh, text messages. And then um, the other one is the PropStream link that I just gave you is a free link to PropStream. Okay. 
Uh, Cody, why don't we answer a couple of questions just in the chat while we get going? I already gave people the top five things to understand about wholesaling a subject too. And we have more questions we can answer it next week, but why don't you jump on a couple of questions here? Yeah. So Lisa is asking, Cody, what list do you like? Uh, well, I'm a big fan because we, we do mass marketing of the high equity absentee, high equity, uh, you know, 55 or 65 plus list. Those are great. If you're working on a smaller budget and you aren't pulling large lists of data, I would say dial in on a couple of the more niche lists. Dial in on those pre-foreclosures, those probate. Um, the tax delinquent, those are going to be where you want to be spending your time if you don't have a larger budget, because you will go, you'll run out of money trying to work through these high equity absentee lists because they're large lists of data. So I would start with those niche lists, but if you have a marketing budget um, to be spending, you know, a good amount of money every month, I would say high equity absentee and the uh, 55, 65 plus high equity lists as well. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys a little analogy, right? Because we've got um, we've got a couple of people making comments about batch and prop stream. So I'm gonna give you guys a little analogy, and this will hopefully resonate with you. Okay. So I live in an area where there's like four grocery stores within driving distance, like you know, within two three minutes. Do I always go to the same exact grocery store? No, I don't. And here's why: one grocery store has better fruit and vegetables right? Like an AJ's here in Phoenix or like a Sprouts or a Whole Foods, yeah. like they'll have better fruit. They'll have better choices. But then when I want like a monster energy drink, that's an orange sugar-free monster energy drink. They don't sell that at Whole Foods. I've got to go to the other grocery store. Mm -hmm. Right? So when people say, where do you shop? I go, I shop where I need to for what I need. Right? So guys, we're not married to one or the other product and service. We're friends with you know all these company owners. We know them all. I'm in masterminds with a lot of these guys. And there's none that are better than the other. Sometimes we just suggest that you have both for a while until you figure out which one you like the most, which one you what user interface you like more, what grocery store you like shopping at. My wife shops at Albertsons because they have Jif peanut butter that's reduced fat and it tastes differently. She likes it. And I shop at Bash's down the road because there's jelly that I really like. So you got to find out what works for you. And there's no correct answer specifically. So we're not tied to either one. Just make sure that you guys are testing out either. And again, don't, don't pay full price. That's what idiots do. Use these codes that we're giving you because we go to these guys and we say, hey, can you give our audience a discount? And that's where they give us the, what Cody calls the sushi code. I think we get like $3 or something when you guys sign up. And then I take Cody out to sushi once a quarter. You know, it's not, <laughs> a, it's not a lot of money, but it's enough money that I can at least take Cody and his girlfriend out. So try them both and, and you guys figure out what you like better. Okay. Another good question here. Um, from David, when hiring VA hub, do we need to provide the dialer as well? Or are they already set up with one? So yes, you'll want to provide the dialer. They will help the functionality of whatever dialer that you're utilizing. Um, but that is something that you actually control. Like you're the owner of the account with the dialer. You are that owner. So just to give some clarity there. And if you are looking for virtual assistance, VA Hub does a really great job with cold callers, texters, and then also just overall admin assistant work, uh, you know, anything from managing any of your systems as well. 
So speaking of that, I think that's going to be next week's topic. Um, these exit strategies are great, but I think the challenge with the exit strategies um, conversations is that um, we really want to do case studies, right? And show documents and all that kind of stuff. And I do that for the sub two students. So it's almost like I, and you need kind of like two hours to go through a really good case study and tell stories and answer questions live. And Zoom's a way better format because I can actually talk to the people rather than just take questions in the chat. So my feeling is we actually, next week, we have our topic. Um, and I see Kelly here and, and Wenny in, uh, from our media team. I think what we do is we have a, um, a topic next week about where do all of our leads come from and what systems are we actually using? Would everybody get value from that? Where do our leads come from? Like, what does our lead generation look like? What lists are we pulling? Would that help people if we focus on that next week? Um, because again, at, at the end of the day, we all need to just generate leads, right? 100%. Rob Lacey says, VA Hub is the best I've used so far. So guys, if, if you are looking for a VA, um, VA Hub is the best. We, we switched over them a year ago. We actually invested in the company. We believed in it so much. Um, VA Hub is the best. Go check them out. You can schedule a call, um, chat with them about what you need. They'll help you find them and they'll help you train and onboard and all that kind of stuff so you can get people dialing and cranking out. Ooh, all right. So Alan Johnson, great questions tonight, by the way. Thank you so much. Pace, before you go, you've mentioned it before. How to purchase a vehicle sub two or seller finance? Can you do that via dealership if you want a specific make or model? Yes, you can. You can do that. Um, it's not going to be like at uh, the nice shiny dealerships, right? Because they have very small amount of margin that they make. They make most of their money on the financing. So they want you to get a loan. But if you go down to like a buy here, pay here, I actually just posted a photo of one um, on my Instagram the other day. Did you see that, Cody? No. So there's like a dozen um, dealerships in downtown Mesa that are like, we'll take, we will take over your car payments. I'll say I'll send you the photo. So they're like they're buying people's cars and just taking over car payments. So it's very simple. It's essentially a land contract when you compare it to real estate is that you uh, if you're going to sell a house on subject to or I'm sorry, if you're going to sell your car on subject to, you can you have the title or the bank has a title and the new buyer doesn't get the title until they pay it off. So it's very similar that way. Um but if you want to go buy a car, this is what you did. I last year I went on a big RV trip. Okay. And I was on a mission. I was like, I'm going to buy one of these RVs subject to because there's so many people selling RVs. And I had three people that were like, yeah, I would sell the house to you on seller finance or subject to most of them were seller finance because they had owned their uh, trailers. And we just couldn't find one that we loved and our timeline was coming down. And so I went out and bought a brand new Airstream, but you can buy cars RVs, motorcycles, whatever you want, seller finance, whatever you want subject to. Okay. Um, you can go to like leasetrader.com, go to leasetrader.com and you can take over people's lease payments. A lot of people didn't even know that that exists. Go to leasetrader.com. You can find a freaking Audi. You can find a Maserati. You can find a freaking Tesla and you can just take over people's lease payments that are like, please get me out of this thing. Just take over the payments. Okay. Uh, Sam Kemp. Another idea for a topic is LLC and trust structure. I know you covered it in how to legally avoid taxes, but I think a full episode on it would be so awesome and provide so much value. Samuel Kemp, I think that we would love to do that. I think that's a great idea. Um, Cody, 
Is it good to go after certain REO properties? Is it good to go after certain REO? Cody, you glitched out for a My second. Internet. Um, is it good to go after certain REO properties? Um, I mean, typically anything that's going to be owned by the bank and listed by the bank, it's not going to be a good deal anymore. REOs, the reason REOs were so hot and short sales were hot and bank, you know, just any bank owned properties were hot. And that's like a cool thing is they were good deals in 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13. But what's happened over the years is the banks are smart enough to know that they can sell the properties for basically retail value right now because inventory is so low. So maybe you could find one here and there, but I wouldn't put that as your main strategy by any means to be looking for that. So Alan Johnson, you said, so no Lambo, BMW or M8. So I actually bought an M6. I had an M6. It's the coupe. Um, I bought an M6. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was okay. I'm old. And so I like, uh, I don't like coops. I think coops are for kids basically for children <laughs> and, and they're not functional. Coops are like the most non-functional vehicle, but like your Maserati, your, uh, what, what is that one called? The Gran Turismo. Yeah. The Gran Turismo is a gorgeous car, but it just didn't make sense for me with like kids and all that no. kind of stuff. Right. No. So it's a sports car for bachelors. Yeah. And so I bought my M6 on subject two. The guy was like, I can't afford the payments. I took it over. So I did buy an M6. I drove it for a year. I sold it and I went and bought an M5 because I was like, I need four doors. This is stupid. The M5 had the V12. I think the V10 or V12 engine too. V10 thing was a beast. Nine miles a gallon. Every time I filled up my tank, I had to pour uh, oil in the engine. It was great. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you can buy luxury vehicles that way. Go to leasetrader.com, Alan. You can get just to get about that. Um, yes, I still do have the Prius. I think I'm buying a $3 million house right now. And yes, I still buy a Prius. I still drive a Prius. So hundred percent I'm Prius gang till I die. It's amazing. Um, Alejandro Alvarez actually just did his first creative finance deal in Texas. So shout out Alejandro. Um, he said, can you assign a sub to months later after you take it down yourself or sell would be the ideal? So you're no longer assigning the deal, Alejandro. You actually took it down. So you're the owner. So you're not assigning. You're actually selling it. I'm actually buying a deal right now in Atlanta from one of the sub two students. He took a deal down, decided he wanted to go do a different deal and was like, does somebody want to buy this other one from me? And I bought it and I'm turning it into an Airbnb in Atlanta. So He's no longer assigning it. He took it down. He owned it. And he was about to start renovation and decided just to sell it for, to me. That's the one that in the um, subject to men, or the sub two mentorship, I have a first mortgage, a second mortgage, a seller finance third, and I'm raising money. I have a four, I have four loans on the house. Um, Steve Trang did not convince me to get a Tesla. Actually, uh, my wife has a Tesla and I think they're total shit. <laughs> I, I, they're horrible. My wife, so I'm not joking. I'm going to tell you guys a true, truly what's going on. My wife has a 2020 Tesla, $120,000 model X. Okay. So I, we can't even open the, you know, the Falcon doors, you can't even open them. So like in order to get into the back seat, this is a brand new car. Like it's a year old. You have to go through the front door and then climb in the back seat. Like the Falcon doors are constantly malfunctioning 
And then they're, you have them come to your house for service. They're constantly rescheduling. So like in order for my wife to get my baby in the backseat of this $120,000 vehicle, she has to like go through the front seat, put her in the back. My wife climbs over, buckles her in, gets back in the front seat. And it's like, you're like, you're an idiot, you know? So, um, Roger says, uh, you write off a Tesla X under the business. I, we didn't, I didn't need to do that. Fortunately. Um, we have enough properties that we use depreciation, but that is true. Um, for 120,000 and going for that M eight or Audi a seven. Yeah. But my wife, like, you know, you know how people are. They won't think that Teslas are cool. People want um, what they want. The the A seven you could buy like a three year old one for like fifty grand. That would be a bad idea to buy a new one. Cody's very into cars. Okay, so if you guys want to talk cars, talk to Cody. For me, if you guys are like into Priuses and like how many miles a gallon you get, um, that's what I care about. So I'm not bragging. I I'm I'm bragging about my Prius. I love my Prius. It's my favorite thing ever. So no, I don't I don't think Teslas are cool. I think they suck. And when we when we were buying it, I was like, okay, this is what you want. This is what you want. This is what you want. But I think that they're trash, to be honest. But I think I think um, Elon Musk is a freaking legend. So anyway, um, guys, hopefully you guys got some value tonight. I think next week focusing on lead generation and going over um, Douglas A. So Douglas, if you're a sub two student, I don't know your last name. It's an A. Um, the document is inside the mentorship that you're asking for, you say, what document is used that allow the seller to get the property back if the buyer defaults? Um, that is in the mentorship. Kelly drives my Prius when she's in town, by the way. And she says, dude, Pace's Prius is the best. It is absolutely- I love your Prius. The thing is great. A great little whip, dude. It's great. And it's, I haven't driven it in like a month because I've been driving my truck, but um, Christopher, he asked this at the very beginning. So I'll answer this. He says, where can I find buyers for sub two and seller finance deals? And what number should I be under for, uh, the entry fee? So Christopher, um, come into the sub two mentorship. I will break that all down for you, but there's 13 ways to find buyers for sub two and seller finance deals. And then I actually go through multiple times. I'm actually doing an exit strategy session this coming week with all the students. And I will answer that question deep dive for you. Okay. Um, Everybody, we appreciate you guys tremendously. Thank you so much. Next week, everybody, let pl please bring people. Today was obviously Easter. It was a good, chill, like great session for us. I love it. Appreciate all of you guys. But let's try and bring a friend, right? Post this in Facebook groups, tag Cody and I on Instagram. And I will see you guys tomorrow for a Wholesale Hotline. And Cody and I will see you next week for polling lists and lead generation for creative finance deals. We'll see you guys next week.